Thank you for listening to the I Am Podcast. The following is a person discussing the memories and feelings that make up their experience. It is solely from their point of view. I hope you enjoy the episode. I am 32 years old, and I was born in 1985 in Wisconsin, and I grew up in Wisconsin Rapids. What uh, What's Wisconsin Rapids like? Um, it is a kind of dying town. We used to be really thriving. Um, we were a mill community, so we have a paper mill in town. Okay. Um, our paper mill is known for, it's one of the only mills in the world that makes some of the types of paper it makes, so that's okay. the only reason it's still profitable and still open. Yeah. Um, but because of it, we, as a community, turned away a lot of potential businesses and jobs because it was doing so well, the town thought that would carry it forever. Oh. And now <laughs> our mall is closed. We have okay. more empty businesses than we have open ones. It's a town of about 18,000 people okay. um, with a supporting area of probably closer to 50,000 for like okay. the smaller towns around it. Yeah, but the mall, the, sorry, the mill is still in operation? It is, but it goes through um, different buyers probably every two to three years for the last 15 or 16 years. Oh, okay. <laughs> when did the town start kind of going downhill? Um, I would say probably about uh, 20 years ago or so. Okay, so late 90s? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah, late 90s, so, early 2000s. Okay, so you were born in 85 and then late 90s was going downhill. So what's the in-between? What what did you like about it? Uh, what, um, was your, what was your experience like then? Uh, I liked growing up in a town that was pretty safe because it's a small enough community. Everybody kind of knows each other. Okay. Um, uh, my parents were divorced, so I actually grew up in two different parts of town. My dad lived more in the country, and there were perks to that because we could like explore the woods and do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but then my mom lived like right in the city, so we had like neighborhood kids, and we could bike around and community pool and okay. all kinds of stuff, which there are no community pools anymore. So oh, no. um, there were two, and now they're both shut down. Okay. When did your parents get divorced? Um, I was four. So okay. I don't really remember them being together. Being together. Okay. And they're completely non-compatible people. So it's probably oh, no. a good thing that they okay. aren't together. Like they're both really great people, but I can't even imagine how they would have been a couple. <laughs> okay. What did they do? What did they do? Like what did your dad do? What did your mom do? Um, so my dad is a second generation auctioneer. Um, okay. So we have a... I think 40 year, I think it's coming up on the 40th anniversary of the auction house. Um, oh, my wow. grandparents opened it in Wisconsin Rapids. Um, and my uncle and my dad are both auctioneers. And that's what my dad did and still does um, now. Um, but he also was a DJ and that's where him and my mom met. Um, Cause he was okay. DJing for a bar in town. And my mom worked there as like a cocktail waitress. Okay. Is so. it the like typical things you see from auctioneers, like the very fast talking yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. 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 Okay. And um, my dad was the youngest auctioneer in the state when he got his auctioneering license. He was, I think, 17 or 18. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. You have to go down to like Texas because you have to become a colonel. You have to be a colonel to be an auctioneer. You have to be licensed. Oh. Um, and okay. then there's a test you have to take every year or every other year, but you have to get like recertified okay. um, to legally be allowed to be an auctioneer. Because it's a certain really type of sale license. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Of course. Um, did you spend any time, like, around it when you were a kid? Like, did you oh, go yeah. with him and stuff? Um, so we did, they did estate auctions. Um, so I went to a lot of those. Um, we used to, we also were, like, a moving service. So, like, we'd also help people, um, like, before there was any U-Hauls in town or anything. Mm -hmm. Like, they had moving trucks and trailers, and we would help people move and relocate or downsize houses. Um, a lot of times when stuff would get repossessed, we had to do that. Um, mm. We usually didn't go along for those jobs, though, because, like, they're not as safe. So when we were kids, we didn't get to go for those. So who's we? Uh, oh, me and my brother. Um, okay. So my mom and dad had two kids together, and my brother and I grew up a lot around the auction house. Um, oh. Every Tuesday was an auction. 
Um, and since my dad, it was a family business, if we weren't in school, we were pretty much there. Oh, okay. So. How old is your brother? Um, he's two years younger than me. Okay. So, yeah. Were you pretty close growing up and everything? Oh, yeah. Like, you hang out a lot. He kind of was like my best friend. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my brother's two years younger than me as well, so. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of know the dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> the dynamic a little bit. Similar friends, some different friends. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. We had pretty similar friends until probably like the last couple years of high school because he kind of went through a like really wanted to be his own person kind of thing and right. didn't want me influencing it so like yeah. I gave him a lot of space for that okay so it was weird because like growing up we were so close and we just had the same friends and it never bothered me but for him it was like he wanted to make sure his friends were his friends and not just around because of me so yeah. get away big sister yeah pretty much. <laughs> that's funny um what did your mom do um, so my mom bartended a lot, um, and then she actually started nursing school when I was probably like five years old, Okay. and then just wasn't really able to finish it in her, how she was working and helping, you know, raise my brother and I, and um, she went back to school and actually graduated when I was like 21, um, okay. so it took her most of my life to finish nursing school but that's what she does now is nursing okay so seem like she likes it very much yeah, yeah she used to do cna work at a nursing home um which she really really enjoyed but then once her parents got old enough where it was really close to the ages of the people she was working with that was too hard for her to see mm. people with amnesia or dying like and they were her parents' age. Yeah, she didn't really enjoy it anymore because it was. It's really it was close, too close to home. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I could very easily see that. I had one of um, my grandmother's had uh, Alzheimer's, dementia. That mm-hmm. was so di- insanely difficult. Yeah, that's <laughs> really hard to watch, and I, I have a tendency for it in my family. So it's like one of the things um, like I'm most afraid of. Yeah, is having to go through that. I'd rather like have any physical problem then like lose my mind so yeah that makes total sense um so did your parents uh have any other kids did they get remarried yeah they do anything like that yeah my uh my dad had um he actually met my stepmom before my mom and him got separated and they started dating shortly after um and they were married for 20 years and uh recently got divorced um, oh. But they have a daughter together, um, and she is 21. Okay. Um, and then my mom um, got married a couple times, and uh, with her longer running marriage, uh, she was married about 10 years. She had three more kids. Oh wow! Um, so okay. we've got um, two more sisters and a brother from that. Okay. So my youngest sibling uh, turns 21 in January. <laughs> So a pretty big spread. There's like a 11 year spread on us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you spend any times with with the um, with your newer siblings, half siblings? Yeah. Okay. Um, my sister Becca. So my mom's um, next oldest daughter is 23, and her and I spend a lot of time together because we have kids that are about five days apart. Oh wow. Um. Okay. So her first kid is really close to. Um, my second kid's age. So they yeah. they spend a lot of time together. We hang out a lot, um, which is nice. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Do you, do any of your other siblings have kids? No, no. Um, my brother, he's really committed to like music and he travels a lot. I don't. He doesn't have much interest in having kids. He says he's if he ever did, he'd probably adopt. Hmm. Um, but he's very music focused. Like he's like one of those people he can pick up any instrument and teach himself and. And like that's his whole world like is doing that when he's not working he's doing music like he practices probably like four to six hours a day and then on his own besides being in bands okay is he like rock bands or um he does like he has a folk punk band that he's in he does um like rock music but he also i don't know he does like a little bit of everything okay Um, and it's his just his full time it's what he loves what he does yeah that's really cool yeah and uh how many kids do you have uh, I have two. I have Declan, who's seven. He's going into second grade. And Marilyn, who's three. So How are they? Uh, they're awesome. Yeah. Uh, Marilyn's a huge Godzilla fan. Like, that's her most favorite yeah. thing. Um, and then Declan is... He loves video games. He 
he's really smart and funny and like I don't know he's like my buddy we we do a lot together like he has a lot of the same interests because he's like I know he grew up with me and Jesse being like pretty sarcastic and funny people so Mm. like I think his hardest thing is he hung out with like only adults growing up because he had no cousins he was the firstborn on like both sides of his family like first grandkid so he has like this super adult sense of humor and way of acting so it's like really (laughs) hard for him like when he gets around kids his own age he doesn't know how to like reel back and like be seven (laughs) you know like um and it's cool like he he obviously loves like we play a lot of video games like in our house and there's a lot of kids his age that aren't playing yet so i think it's hard for him to find like kids kind of on the same level of interest that he has yeah so okay well hopefully you'll find that next year or two i mean he's really like he has a lot of friends yeah but like you just can tell they just, they're just they not on the same page together. So, yeah. so what, uh, as like, as you got older and as the town started to change and things like, what was that like for you? Like what kinds of things did you do different or um, um, what was an average week like in, you know, middle school, early high school, something sure. like that? Um, I had a lot of friends. I did a lot of community theater because um, my dad did. Oh, okay. um, so I grew up with that. Um, I, I read a lot. So like I, I spent... Having that many brothers and sisters, like, it's just constant noise. And, like, when I, as soon as I was old enough to bike anywhere, I would go to the library because having that much quiet was pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Being around, like, constant, constant noise. Um, so I went to the library a lot. Um, I did community theater a lot. Um, What's your favorite theater memory? Um, actually, probably from a play I, I wasn't in, um, but I worked stage crew for. I did, um, we did The Odd Couple. And there's the scene where they're fighting and um, they throw the plate of spaghetti against the wall. Mm. Um, I had to clean that up in like the intermission break before the next scene because it had to be cleaned up. And I just remember like by the end of the run, like the amount of like spaghetti (laughs) like on the floor was like atrociously disgusting. Like the smell of that specific cleaner and yeah. spaghetti, like if I smell that cleaner now, like I still smell that <laughs> spaghetti. So it's really kind of gross. And like, so I don't ever buy that cleaner because <laughs> I just can't handle the smell of it. Um, That's funny though. Yeah. It's interesting what burns into your brain from those kind of experiences. Yeah. Did you, what's your favorite being in a play? Um, I really enjoyed Brighton Beach Memoirs. I played Nora, um, the older sister character in that play. Um, which I guess relevant. Neil Simon passed away recently, so yeah, today, right? Yeah, like yesterday or today. Yeah. Um, but that play was really awesome. I thought it was really interesting because, like, I'd read a lot of books, but at the time I was mostly into like fantasy and science fiction and stuff, and like I hadn't really read a lot of like slice of life type books. Sure. And that play is, is so grounded. It's just like it all takes place in this house, and it's just these two families. It's like a multi-family household, and like. Hmm dealing with like normal issue stuff I'd never really like thought about that that much because like I like history but when I learn history I like more focus on like the timeline and the events and I didn't really pay attention to like what the people were going through Hmm. and it was kind of a neat like I think it was the first time I really empathized with like oh that would have been a weird like setting to grow up in um so I thought that was kind of kind of neat oh that's fun do you when when did you do that one um, I was 16, so I think uh, I wasn't quite 16. I think it, I think it was like 2001, 2002. So, right. yeah. That's cool. How 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 long overall did you do plays and stuff in community theater? Um, well, I was always around helping my dad because he directed and was in plays. So oh, like, wow. okay. Um, Your dad was really involved in everything in the community. Huh? Yeah. So like the. Community theater used to share the stage that the library has, which is like a little Mm. tiny theater. And before I was born, my dad was involved in doing fundraising to try and get like their own space built because like they had to do everything with the library schedule and everything with their guidelines and they wanted their own space. I think our community theater has been going almost like 35, 36 years. Wow, that's Um, really good. Yeah, and so I remember them doing fundraising for it. I actually worked at a coffee house where I used to book bands and when they finally got their own space and they were still doing the fundraising for like building the stage and putting the seats in 
I did a couple um, shows, like had bands come from out of town and we did fundraiser shows for it. That's really cool. Yeah. So that was awesome. Like I was always around it. The first play I was in, I think I was seven. Um, And then I did probably 20 or so total. I haven't done any recently. It's hard with the kids schedule to do it because I mean, it's pretty much three months where that's all you're doing. Yeah. So it's it's hard to schedule in, but once Marilyn's a little older, I'll probably get back into it. Okay. So. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. At this point, if you do get back into it, do you want to do more acting or do you want to do more behind the scenes stuff? Or? Um, I actually really enjoyed directing because I did two of those. And um, I really think I'd, I'd like to be in a couple more plays, but I had much more fun directing. Um, but I did two children's theater productions. So I think it'd be nice to do a more adult play because like the children's plays were really fun but they're a lot a lot of work yeah kind of hurting cats a little bit or um like what are what are the age of the kids um usually from like 8 to 18 okay um so maybe not yeah if they're interested in being there they're interested in being there and they like it it's honestly um trying to like age appropriately motivate kids is really different than Mm. when you talk to an adult because, yeah. like, an adult wants to do good because they want to do good. Right. And, like, kids aren't as prideful. So, like, they don't really care if they do good. They just <laughs> want to be part of it. Yeah. Like, and they just care if their mom comes. Like, they don't, you know, they're not they're not as, like, self-motivated. And then, like, I did um, The Little Prince was one of them. Okay. Um, and it's, like, one of my favorite children's books. And I found a really good adaptation. And that play is really hard because it deals with some really, like, adult issues and trying to get like nine-year-olds to convey those range of emotions when like they have pretty good lives and everything's okay at home and they don't really have any like dark places to draw from, <laughs> that was kind of a challenge. So. Okay, so what was high school like for you? I kept pretty busy for the most part. Um, I don't know. I've always been. I'm manic, so like I don't sleep a lot, and the more I have to do, the more it keeps me busy and like kind of avoid thinking about it. So um, I was in as many things as I could book myself for. And I, I've been working since I was like 14. So I always had a job mm-hmm. at least, and sometimes three jobs at once. Um, I did house cleaning. I did, uh, I worked at a coffee shop for five years. I worked at a racetrack in the summers. Um, so I worked a lot. Um, I helped my mom a lot. I. My mom worked a lot, so I was always there, like, with the kids and stuff. I, I helped the house a lot. Mm-hmm. And when I was, like, oh, probably, like, 16 or 17, I started focusing pretty hard on, like, how I was going to move away. <laughs> and I knew I wasn't going to go to college. So I stopped going to school for the most part as much as I could get away with. So. Okay. Yeah. What does um, – I have a couple questions, mm-hmm. but um, what – what is the what are the details of being manic and like when did you find out about it i didn't find out officially like i did i wasn't diagnosed until i had a full manic episode when i lived in milwaukee okay um there's about 10 days i don't remember i woke up um in marshfield and i had been hospitalized and kind of bits and pieces remember talking to my mom and my brother and they had taken me, my friend had called them and said that there was something wrong with me. And they took me to the emergency room in Milwaukee. They referred me to Marshfield. And that's where I came, like, out of my episode. And after talking to the doctors there, found out that um, I'm bipolar. But since I don't have problems on the depressive end, it was hard mm. to catch because I was productive. I was always optimistic. I was... I. Just, like, people who are, like, hypomanic a lot, they seem, like, they're fun to be around. Like, they're high energy. Hmm. Like, on a good day, like, you're just really up all the time. And it's, like, Hmm. those people are, a lot of times, like, actors and comedians and, like, people who are just really positive and fun to be around until they're not. Because you, Hmm. you're not realistic and you do things that aren't smart, like you would spend all your money or you... And my problem is I had a pretty vivid like hallucinations and I have my whole life. And do you have that during the day or is it like dreaming? No, like wide awake. Like I see stuff. Um, Haven't in a long time, but that's when I know if I'm getting like bad again, like Mm. because I start seeing things. 
or I have time dysmorphia really bad where I won't know like what year it is. Oh wow. So it's like it's just like your your perception of reality just starts getting a little loose. <laughs> okay. And uh when how old were you when the ten day thing happened? I was twenty. Okay. And they uh things they check for to see like if it was caused by anything, they'll check and see if you did drugs. They'll see if you, mm-hmm. like, when you last had alcohol in your system. They see, like, if anything, like, emotional or traumatic happened to, like, launch you into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but after talking to the doctor, they basically just said, I, it sounded like I'd had it my whole life and I just rapid cycled into it. Um, which was kind of scary because I was supposed to move to London the month it happened. Oh, okay. And if it had happened overseas there's a good chance I wouldn't have gotten the help I needed and something like really bad could have happened. Yeah. Because I mean, if I'd have been manic and hopped on a train in Europe, I could have ended up anywhere Yeah. and been really hard to track down. Like luckily I was around friends and family who were able to kind of pull me back. <laughs> yeah, figure it out and at yeah. least get you to a doctor or a hospital or something. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, okay. And they also said that like statistically for like the type of psychotic break that I had that they they like bank on being back here within the year and then probably at least once every like five years for the rest of your life like because it was like because he's like is pretty bad he's like I was one of the worst cases he'd ever seen and he was like a pretty old doctor so um but I haven't been back but it takes a lot of like self-regulation like I have to make sure I get enough sleep I have to Mm. make sure if I'm doing, like, if I'm drinking caffeine or, like, anything that's, like, uppers, really, like, mm. I can't do too much of that, so. Yeah. Okay, so did you, like, after that happened, mm-hmm. what was your mindset? Like, what did you go into to make sure that kind of stuff? Like, did you figure it out as you went, or? I figured it out as I went. Um, it was really frustrating because it was uh, a lot of the parts of myself that I like are really closely connected to being manic. So like, I like that I'm confident. I like that I try new things. I like that I'm not scared of new things and new people and new places. But those are also the things that like, if I do too much of, kind of encourage that, that cycling. So it's like, you know, when I'm three days in a row of like staying up late and hanging out with people, I need to like, reel myself in and I'd never had to have that much self-control so it was Hmm. very frustrating (laughs) and I I definitely drank a lot like when I was younger because it was like it was an easy way to shut off like my brain okay so if I felt like I was getting too manic it was like really easy to be like well I'll just get really really drunk and fall asleep because I know that'll work (laughs) like what does it feel like when it's ramping up or Um, like, I get really impatient with, like, dull situations. So, like, Mm. so, like, normal day-to-day stuff, like, routine stuff gets really not, it's more than just boring. It's more, like. Like, you have a reaction to it? Like, it's annoying how boring normal stuff is. Yeah. And then, like. It's also like that, like, almost like voice in your head, like, telling you to just make all the worst choices. It's just like, okay. it's just encouraging you to do, like, everything. The, the doctor explained it. It's like, it's like, instead of being addicted to drugs, like, people who are manic are addicted to life. Like, they're addicted to mm. experiences so much that, like, you just get really ramped up with the idea of meeting new people and you get really ramped up with the idea of like doing all the drugs and doing all the drinking and there's like adrenaline junkie kind of kind idea. Of. Okay. Um, and I know I had, a so there's a family member who used to, he was kind of manic and he used to like bad impulse, like problems where he would go and like gamble a bunch of their money away. And oh he'd tell his wife he was going to the gas station and he would like drive three states away and come back four days later. Oh, and geez. like, yeah. So it's like stuff like that. And I, that stuff makes me nervous. Cause like I usually have a pretty good handle on it, but you know, part of me where he's, I'll wake up 10 days will be gone. And like, will I've ditched my kids like, yeah. and my husband and just 
been like a complete like garbage person for 10 days. <laughs> so, sure. cause there was like, I didn't really remember a lot of what happened in Milwaukee. And like my friend talked to me about what did happen. And just that, that time span that I didn't have control over mm-hmm. is really upsetting. Mm-hmm. So for, with your friend relaying it to you, did it seem like it was just the next idea? Let's do that. Or was it, he said it, it was beyond, like, normal, like, the hypomanic me is the me I like. It's the the productive, the fun, the staying mm-hmm. up all the time, no, don't need any sleep. Manic, like, it's, he's like, I would just basically, like, free associate when people would talk or if I was listening to music or watching TV. And, like, I would just say things that, like, they made sense, but, like, the way, like, a crazy parrot would just, like, repeat stuff back. Okay. Like, he's like, you were watching movies with us, but you were just saying things that didn't make sense it was just like you you were connecting things that weren't connected and like yeah and like i was like remembering things wrong and i i kept thinking i had to like go places to find things or find people and i would just like leave the house in the middle of the night like living in milwaukee like i'd leave the house at like 4 a.m and just like walk around my neighborhood and like and I was, like, hiding stuff. Like, I would take my stuff and hide it in different rooms in the house or in the cupboards, and I would rearrange stuff, and I'd start projects. And, like, I was thinking I was being productive and doing things, but, like, yeah, nothing yeah. was making sense. Like, Okay. So it's just, like, it was just, like, really nonsensical behavior. Like, and they and that's, that's the problem is that, like, there was, like, nothing I was doing was based in any sort of reality. Yeah. Except for, like, these loose, like, connections that I was making that didn't make sense. Okay. Are you on any kind of medication, or is it just, like, Um, managing how you're feeling on a moment basis, or...? I'm not currently medicated, because, like I said, I pretty self-regulate, like, my sleep, for the most part, seems to help. Um, I used to be on lithium, and I was on Seroquel. But then I found out Seroquel, like, is something they typically give to dementia patients. Oh, wow. And it's designed to, like, shut off the part of your brain that hallucinates. And I... Yeah. The long-term side effects of it are, like, organ failure. And it's meant for people who are old because they they won't be on it long enough to damage them. Yeah. And at 20, I was like, I'm not staying on this forever. No one explained the side effects to me that I remember. And I looked it up on my own, and I... The side effects physically were horrible. So I, with the approval of my doctor, got off of that, like weaned myself off. And uh, the lithium was probably a better drug, but like it's kind of numbing. Like it makes you really even, but like it puts a cap on your highs and a cap on your lows. Mm -hmm. And when my grandpa died, I didn't like feel anything and I it made me so angry I completely took myself off the lithium which was probably not smart because it definitely did help even me out and got me back like even sure but I was just I'm like I'd rather have the highs and lows and then try to manage it than not have them yeah just kind of be yeah dead to this the spectrum yeah Yeah. because like I should have been upset. I should have been sad. Like, that's a normal human emotion, and I wasn't, yeah. and that made me frustrated, so. Okay. So, yeah, so for about seven years, I've been, yeah, actually, it was right before I started working where I work now. Yeah. Um, I took myself off, so. Okay. Did you start the lithium, like, right after when you were 20, when, right yeah. after that big episode? So you were on it for a long time. Uh, yeah, I was on it for about two, three years, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Were there any, like, longer-term side effects with that? Anything that you noticed? Or? Not really. Lithium, for the most part, I was on a pretty low dose. It was pretty mellow. Um, just those emotional side effects. And honestly, it was, like, I think, like, dry mouth and, like, some normal, yeah, like, medication stuff. annoying stuff, sure. But, yeah, overall, it, it didn't really bother me. Until it did. Like, I just, I didn't even notice that emotional side effect because I didn't have anything significant really happening that that I noticed. Um, yeah. But, yeah. And long-term, I'm, I'm glad I wasn't on it for either of my pregnancies. Like, that could have been upsetting because, like, 
you don't know what that does to development and stuff. So I didn't. Yeah. Well, I have and to deal how with it. you feel too in the moment or when your child is born. Yeah. Who knows how that would have affected? Yeah. Your feelings there or something too, the bonding and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That yeah, that seems scary and crazy. <laughs> um, I think the most frustrating thing for. Like, I'm not embarrassed of it, and I explain it, and, like, I try to be pretty open about it because I think there's such a stigma on mental illness, and, like... Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, people who have diabetes, like, you can do insulin right in front of people, and people go, oh, you have diabetes, that makes sense, but you take medicine in front of people, and, like, I have, like, friends and family who are just like, well, just don't be like that, and it's like, well, it's a... It is something I am, and it's just as... you're not making a choice. Yeah, um, and I, I think the... Hardest thing was having to explain to, like, my three-year-old doesn't know, but, like, my seven-year-old, I've explained to him, be like, this is what it is, this is what it looks like, if I ever don't make sense, like, you need to tell dad or tell grandma, Mm -hmm. like, and just explaining it to a seven-year-old so they can understand that, like, it's okay and there's nothing wrong with me, but then that means I need help. Yeah. And it'd be like, it's a type of, like, being sick. Mm -hmm. And that's how we've explained it. So, yeah, that makes sense. And it's not like an everyday conversation, but it's definitely like if I feel like a little off, I'll bring it up again and be like, hey, remember how we talked about that? Yeah. (laughs) Heads up. (laughs) Well, and that's good, too, because it makes him feel empowered. Yeah. You know, so if something does start going wrong, he can actually help. Well, yeah. He's not scared or anything. Well, and if you were diabetic, you would have the same heads up with your kid to be like, hey, if if I ever come in, I'm on the floor. Like, here's what you do. And here's who you call. Right. Find this item and help me out. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That is so interesting. One thing I really um, thought was interesting about it, and for anyone who's ever, like, questioning if they have, like, different mental illness, it's definitely worth talking to someone. um, Because it helped explain a lot of my like life decisions and like uh-huh. and like it helped me realize like why I like the hobbies I like you know okay the, those adrenaline rush things like being on stage and being in front of people and yeah and um I used to write a lot as an outlet for when my brain was like racing and that mm. you know it just explained and like it was really helpful to not try to isolate mm-hmm. being bipolar from being me and like realize that like it is a pretty significant part of who I am. Yeah. Um but that like I just need to have a handle on it. Like Okay. And like I think the the hardest thing coming out the other end of it was being creative still and productive still without relying on letting myself be inappropriately manic okay um because like that's easy it'd be like someone who could only like perform if they were drunk they can only write if they're drunk and it's like that's in you though like you don't it's harder yeah like yeah the inhibitions are less with Hmm. it but like realizing that like you still did it like sure that that disease part of you didn't do it on its own yeah, you still so, have that in you. You're still a creative yeah. person. It's just how much effort and what kind of time yeah. period do you put into it or something like that? Yeah. Like managing that part. But also like. realizing that, like, I feel like I can take credit okay. more now. Yeah. That's because, good. like, I couldn't explain my process before when I would, like, I have stuff that I did in, like, elementary school and, like, junior high where I would stay up and I would, like, write a paper. Mm-hmm. And not remember doing it. Oh, okay. So it's like, yeah, I've got this awesome, like, finished product, but I can't explain or take credit for my process. And it's being able to take credit for it is nice. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Okay. How, you mentioned earlier that you knew you weren't going to go to college. Yeah. What was that thought process? Like, why not? Um, honestly, I think it's just because of all of my amazing, um, family members and people I knew, like my adult role models that I knew in life, um, some of the most successful people I knew who owned their own businesses or had their own bands or were writers or everyone I knew that I looked at as a, that's the kind of productive adult I wanna be, Hmm. got there through 
alternative means. Like okay. I don't, I didn't know. Like hardly anyone in my school, uh, family has gone to school. Um, okay. I think my my mom having a degree. Um, my grandparents. I don't think any of my four grandparents uh, were went past eighth or ninth grade. They mm. they all just started right after that. Yeah. And so for me, it was just I. It wasn't really emphasized in my family. Like we okay. grades were important, and like they wanted us to do well in school. Yeah. But it wasn't like it was like you only need to go to school if you want to be like certain things. Like if you want to be a lawyer or a doctor, obviously you have to get certified for that. But they're like if you yeah. want to be a business owner, go open a business. If you want to, if you want to write or if you want to travel or if you want to be a cook, like just yeah, go start doing that. That's so. actually really cool. I'm just a little older than you. I'm seven years older than mm-hmm. you. But for like my age range and. Uh, I graduated in the late 90s from high school and stuff and it was very much that was the time period of you're going to go to college oh they they pushed it pretty hard at school like my family just didn't okay um they pushed it hard at school because like I standardized test really awesome okay (laughs) like like top 10% usually um and like I finished I set a record for my high school apparently for the how fast I took the ACT like oh okay it I just blew through it like yeah um and I would have had I actually um had perfect in everything except for math and math the only reason I didn't perfect is because I I'm good at it but it takes me longer so like the last yeah. four I had to like just quick pick answers so that one I scored lower in but mm. otherwise I was like my and like I probably should have tried to bomb those tests a little bit more <laughs> because every single time we did standardized testing, I always got called down to like the guidance office and they'd be like, we need to talk about why you're skipping school and why you're not doing your homework. Cause like I would do homework for classes and teachers I liked and respected. I took every single English class you t- could take and I did all the essays and I read all the books, mm-hmm. but classes that would give you like crosswords or word finds or... <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing this. It doesn't teach me anything. And so, like, I just wouldn't do it. So, like, I'd get 100% on tests, but then I'd, like, fail, like, the homework period stuff. The quote-unquote simple things. Yeah. Yeah, the boring things. And they're like, well, why aren't you doing this? It's easy. I'm like, because I got so much stuff to do at home. I work. (laughs) Like, I'm reading four books right now. (laughs) Like, you know, I've got my five younger brothers and sisters I'm hanging out with. I'm like, I'm just not very interested. (laughs) So... It's so weird that, I mean, I guess I understand it from an educator standpoint that you have so many kids in a class that there's probably not a way to customize things for each student. But I mean, just from myself growing up and seeing other kids and how they do things and, you know, of course, everybody's a little bit different. Like it would be so nice to have more structure to curriculums and Well, and I think it's hard because I think they focus so much on churning you out for college yeah that it's so like half of school is just learning how to go to school yeah absolutely and it's like it's not really set up to be like what are your strengths like how would you like to learn today yeah and like a really good example is my my kiddies in first grade last year um we get called in for parent teacher conferences and this kid like reads all the time he writes all the time he makes little books and comics and like it's like his favorite thing to do. Hmm. She calls us in for parent teacher conferences and she's like, so Declan is having a little problem. And we're like, oh, okay. Like I assume social cause that happens. Yeah. And she said, she's like, he just really doesn't like writing. And I thought she was kidding. And I laughed and she's like, it's not very funny. And I, I asked her, I'm like, what do you mean he doesn't like writing? She goes, well, first thing in the morning when they get in, I'm like, well, first of all, like 8.30 in the morning, I'm not doing anything either. <laughs> and he, my, my kids are like, like, they don't like mornings. Our whole family is not a morning family. We just yeah. don't. And so first thing in the morning, what she makes these kids do, and there's like 20-some kids in her class, hmm. first graders, is she has like journal time. They're supposed to write for 20 to 30 minutes about like a targeted thing. Like she'll say write about your favorite Christmas memory or write about your favorite uncle or what. She just picks a topic and then they're supposed to write. And then they can draw a picture with it. Well, she showed us his journal and he had filled out like three of the 30 pages in the last like month of the journal. And I was like, 
I was like, well, what are you making him write about? She's like, what do you mean making him? I'm like, did you tell him he could write anything he wants? I'm like, because if you just let him do anything, he'll probably write for you. I'm like, but if you're telling him he can only write about bicycles on Tuesday, he's not going to do it. Yeah. And she's like, well, why not? I'm, I told her, I'm like, because I wouldn't. Hmm. I'm like, it, I said, and do they get to read them in front of the class? Or like, do they share them with each other? Like, do they get to like see each other's work and like critique or anything? And she's like, no, it's just for them. I'm like, well, if he knows no one's going to see it. Yeah. And you don't, and it's just practice for practice sake. He's not going to do it. Yeah. Like, what's the point? It sounds like the teacher just wants 20 to 30 minutes of quiet time in the morning. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I, I just, but I see a lot of that, of me in him, like, where it's just like, why would I do this? No one's ever going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> like. The, for me, I never, I, I don't think I could never do that either like take a topic and write out something about it like when I went to college um, the orientation for college was um, trying to get like you know test out of like the basic classes or whatever for like English yeah and one of them was write your fa- write about your favorite memory or, or something like that and I sat there in the class or in the classroom and just no clue and like <laughs> wrote out some, you know, bullshit, however many pages. Yeah. Counting the words, trying to do the minimum. (laughs) I probably made up like three quarters of it, you know, just like, this will sound good. And because I just, there's no way I can pull something like that on a spot. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't feel natural. There's nothing like. not at all normal about it and again who's gonna read this like they're gonna look at it for 10 seconds and you're supposed to take like something super personal and super important to you (laughs) and like pour it out and then and then they give you thumbs up or thumbs down like that doesn't make sense (laughs) and that is what i was supposed to do which i just failed spectacularly (laughs) but i'm okay with that too so it worked out fine but (laughs) it's just kind of a i totally understand where your son was at in that that point (laughs) so what uh how did you meet your husband uh, well, the first time I was in third grade, oh, um, okay. my uh, one of my relatives had a really rare type of bone cancer in oh, her geez. knee, okay. um, which she is better. She's better. It was a fundraiser, and they went through a lot of medical stuff. But it was, it's there's only been like three cases in the country, and two of them were in rapids. Wow. Okay. So it's a pretty weird. I mean, we're pretty yeah. sure the river's pretty polluted, but, um, <laughs> but there's. We had this benefit for her, and um, it was cold. It was supposed to be warmer, and they had a dunk tank. Mm. And all of the adult volunteers for the day bailed because it was cold. Okay. And I was kind of like, she has cancer. Yeah. <laughs> so I volunteered, and I did the dunk tank all day. And my dad told me to, like, be really, like, sassy to people, to be like, yeah. they'll want to dunk you and just be like, you know, tell them they're doing a terrible job, and they suck at throwing, <laughs> and they'll just keep buying, and, you know, it's for the fundraiser. Yeah. And uh, Jesse was in fifth grade, and he was, like, first string pitcher on his, like, baseball team. And he was really annoyed that I was being (laughs) such a jerk to people. And he decided he was going to dunk me, and he paid the whatever, and then he dunked me. And I was like, he was the only person to dunk me all day. And I was going to be like, hey, good job. And he was so, he thought I would be mad at him. So, like... He hit the thing, dunked me, and he, like, ran away. <laughs> and then I didn't see him the rest of the day. Um, and then we met, like, a few other times, like, growing up, just because he's at, he didn't go to high school where I went. He went to Nakusa, mm-hmm. which is a town, like, over. Mm-hmm. They're, like, a 2,000 population, okay. smaller. Um, like, I had 750 people in my graduating class. He mm-hmm. had, like, 70. Okay. So I didn't re-meet him until later when my brother was the saxophone player for his ska band Okay. that he started, um, I think, his senior year of high school. And Michael didn't get added in until, my brother, like two years in, maybe mm. a year and a half in. So I saw him a lot with the band and yeah. those guys hanging out and going to see my brother's band. And um, my brother and him did a radio show um, up in Point uh, for the college. So um, I saw them a lot for that because I would come and guest on the radio show every once in oh, a while. Fun. Yeah. And then, I don't know, like I just knew him, but nothing really, like we didn't hang out that much outside of my brother hmm. until after I came home from being hospitalized. I lived at home for a summer. Hmm. 
and just kind of all I normalized. And he had been three, like, he was on the final semester of having a degree and quit school. Um, So he moved home from college and he was also home for the summer and like all of my friends had moved away or were adulting and all of his friends were in college and gone. And it was kind of a like, we just hung out every day for a whole summer. Mm -hmm. Um, Just as friends, we went on a road trip and just like hung out. And he asked me out July 27th of that year. And then a year later we got married. Okay. So I don't know. He says it was that he tricked me and I was, he was, it was convenient that he was the only person around, (laughs) but I, I like to think it's not just that. Um, Well, you've been together how long now? um, We have been married since 2007. So this was 11 years this year. Okay. And you were a year together a year before that. Yeah. So 12 years. Obviously it's not just that. It wasn't just that it was convenient. Unless he's still just the only one around. I mean, it is rapids, (laughs) but yeah. But yeah, no, it's, um. It's good. We're really different. Like, he's very opposite for me. Like, if it were up to me, I'd go out every day and hang out with new people. And if it was up to him, he would stay in the house and never talk to only a select people that he chose to invite into his home. Like, so I kind of draw him out and he kind of reels me in. So it's probably good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. That's cool. And then, um, so you've essentially stayed in the same town for the majority of your life or yeah you live um, in milwaukee for i lived in milwaukee while. for a little bit um but other than that yeah i haven't really lived anywhere else um okay. i would love to i love big cities yeah but jesse and big i've talked cities about are it. crazy i know but i love them <laughs> i loved milwaukee so much yeah. like i'm i'm a high risk high reward kind of person yeah. and i'm like i will take the gamble for yeah. like just the activity there's always stuff going on like that's true yeah my wife and I lived in Chicago for four years, mm. and the place that I worked was 15 miles away, and it would take me 45 minutes each way to oh. get there and get back. So, if I lived like, in the city, I'd probably want to live proximity like, to where I worked because, yeah, like, you'd want to be like on top of where you were. Well, ideally, like, <laughs> I would love building. to own my own business and yeah. like live above it, and sure. like. Like, that something would just like, be awesome. Yeah, something like that could definitely work out. Yeah. But yeah, living even just a little ways away. Yeah. It just. That's why we don't live there anymore. Because <laughs> an hour and a half every day going to and from a job, just uh, that just adds too much on top of things. I don't know that Jesse and I will ever live in a big city. He's very, yeah. very not comfortable in bigger cities. Sure. He's got pretty high anxiety. Oh, okay. And the amount of unknowns yeah. is just too much. <laughs> like, he just doesn't do well with it. Okay. Um, so it'll be a... Maybe far, far in the future. Like, maybe I'll retire in a city <laughs> and I'll just, like, I'll be 90. Yeah. Like, it's fine. What, um, so does the, do you have enough to do to keep your interests busy then where you live? Or um, yeah. Like, do you head into other places a lot? To... It's very much I have to make it happen. Okay. Kind of, like, area, like, but we have bands and stuff come play in town and, okay. um, I have a decent amount of, like, friends in the area, and, like, I keep busy. Mm-hmm. I work a lot, so okay. <laughs> that keeps me busy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, we go um, we go to Point a lot, just with it being, like, more of a college town. There's just mm. more to do there. They That's, have a pretty uh, cool... Stevens Point? Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, they have a pretty cool children's museum, like, mm-hmm. so it's fun to get up there with the kids. Like, the restaurants are a little bit better. Mm. Our restaurants are pretty gross. Like, okay. We don't have a lot of very diverse, like, cuisine in Wisconsin yeah. Rapids. <laughs> so, I mean, like, a couple really good uh, Chinese restaurants and five subways. So if you're down for that, <laughs> there's <Right>. five subways. <laughs> you can eat all the I subs. do have Taco John's, though, so okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. All the subs. All the subs. <laughs> cool. Well, what, uh, what do you see yourself doing? Like, what do you want to do going forward here next Whatever, a few years kind of thing. That's actually something I've probably struggled with my whole life. Because, like, I, that's one of the reasons I didn't go to school. I mm. couldn't narrow down on one thing that I was passionate enough about to focus on. Like, I'm very yeah. much a, like, I like writing sometimes. I've mm. been in bands and gone on tour with bands before. Like, I, I liked theater. I also really liked working at a racetrack. Like, sometimes yeah. I think owning my own business would be fun. I'm 
I'm just kind of all over the place with like I haven't really figured out like nothing's really stood out as that one thing Mm. so like right now I very much am trying to figure that out Mm. um but it's nice at least like right now I have like my kids to kind of focus on yeah you know because right now it's like all right I've got 15 years before Marilyn's 18. Right. So I've got, in my mind, I've like, all right, you have 15 years to make up your mind <laughs> and sure. pick something. Yeah. Because, like, for now, I don't mind just working and focusing on them and just making sure I'm yeah. having a good relationship with my kids and, Absolutely. like, being a good mom and being a good wife. But I do feel like I should really pick something at some point because, <laughs> like, I'm, uh, I feel like I'm good at a lot of things. Okay. But there's not, like, one thing I feel like I should be doing. Hmm. Like, I don't know. I I have so many interests. It's actually really hard for me to narrow down okay. what I want to do. Yeah. So. And you work retail right now, right? Yes. What does your husband do? Um, he actually drives... So weird. He drives semi. Oh, okay. Um, before I worked retail, we had planned on trying to do like husband wife like team driving where we could like kind of travel and work at the same time yeah um but then still be based in a small town so then we could kind of get doses of big city and then like still be in our small town which is actually really affordable to live in which is like one of the big perks of my area is like rent's cheap and sells the beer like everything (laughs) is cheap sure um but then so we both applied and he got um admitted and I did not and then the plan was for him to get certified and then me to keep trying Hmm. um and I got a drunk driving so that pretty much cut that option out of the equation for me is there an amount of years that that like goes away and then you can try again yes and no um owner operator we could probably do it and it Hmm. would be fine um but going to like the truck driving schools and stuff most mm-hmm. companies just won't even touch you now if you have really? a drunk okay. driving period like that's actually really good to know yeah the- <laughs> um the truck driving industry has actually gotten very especially in wisconsin mm-hmm. very very strict in the last like okay. 10 years there's a lot of veteran truck drivers who are not doing well under the regulations because they mm-hmm. went so many years not being very regulated yeah that now they're not used to those guidelines and stuff yeah the rules and stuff they yeah need. Okay. Yeah. All right. So is is he happy doing that? Does he want to do something else? Um, he actually, is he gone most of the week? Then, no, or? it's uh he got really lucky. Um, about a year of being on the road, which really sucked. Um, he got a local job where he actually works for the mill. He's contract hired. His company is actually based out of Texas, hmm. but they contract through the mill where. He works from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Okay. Um, Monday or Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then every other Saturday. So he has okay. off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and every other Saturday. Okay. Um, so for so a long time a he was. Couple days a week. Where does yeah. he go? Like cross country kind of stuff? No, nope. he just moves just from like warehouse to the middle. It's all local. Like okay. it's it's all within town. The oh, furthest he has to go is like a 30 minute drive. Oh, okay. So he's home every night. Yep. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So it works out pretty good. Um, he's. Like, basically, he's kind of dead to the world, like, Mondays and Tuesdays. Like, that's just, hmm. he's so tired that, because he works those 12s. Yeah. Um, this time of year's not so bad. Winter's really rough, because he's oh, in and sure. out of the truck all night, and it's winter. Like, yeah, absolutely. So, physically, it's pretty demanding, and he probably can't do it forever, because, like, it's hard on his knee. It's hard on, like, he can't do it forever, but yeah. it pays very well, and okay. he doesn't hate it. He okay. gets 12 hours to himself where he just, like, listens to podcasts and <laughs> sure. the radio. And he actually um, makes board games in his spare time. Oh, okay. So it gives him a lot of think time. Yeah. For that. And oh, then later in the perfect. week he can put it to paper. and Right. Yeah. Does he, like, record, like, voice notes or anything while he's driving? I tell him like he that? should, but he yeah. just won't do it. Like, he's, <laughs> he's kind of technology, like, it's so weird because, like, he grew up with video games and computers, and he used to, went to school for computer programming, but okay. then, like, Facebook's confusing, and yeah. he doesn't want to just talk into it. Like, he wants to write it down so okay. he can, like, look at it. Well, that makes sense. So, yeah. yeah. So he does, he has, a like, a book notebook he takes with him, and he, because he has a decent amount of sit time when the trailers are getting loaded that he can, mm. like, sit and write. And, oh, nice. Yeah. That's cool. Because it's 12 hours a shift, but it's only, like, an hour and a half of drive time. Hmm. So. Do you have any... Uh, expectations or hopes or anything for 
your kids as far as like what they do or whatever? Or are you just one of the more like I, encourage them and what they end up being interested in kind of a thing or? I try to be pretty encouraging. I, I, for the most part, I just want my kids to feel like they have options and choices. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the most unhappy people I've known as an adult are the people who feel like they've had no choice or they're trapped in their current situation or like, well, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I, yeah. I don't want my kids to feel that way. Like, mm-hmm. um, I was really fortunate um, growing up with my mom and how she lo- lived her life. She was never afraid to start over. Okay. I saw we, my mom moved a lot or if she ended a relationship, like she would start over with nothing mm-hmm. and every time be pretty positive about it. Like okay. after a reasonable like upset period, but yeah. but just able that, to pick herself up and attack a new thing. Yeah, okay. It's really given me a, a decent amount of perspective as an adult. Like, I could lose everything in a fire, and I know it wouldn't devastate me. Like, okay. just because I know, like I'm comfortable with my nice house and my nice things, and yeah. But I've also like lived in some pretty like interesting places with my mom Mm. where I'm like, there's no like worst case scenario, I guess. Like it's like, you always have an option to walk away. You always have an option to start over. Yeah. Um, you can find happiness where you are kind of a thing. Yeah. And like, that's great. Um, and it's not based on money or even your job or even it's like what you Mm. do in your spare time and who you surround yourself with and, and just being able to enjoy the moments as they happen. Like, I just hope my kids never feel like they're trapped and they have no options because that's, you know, frustrating. And Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah, this is super cool. You're uh, the third person I've recorded. Okay. And uh, they're all going amazing so far. So And uh, you're enjoying it? Yeah. You're having fun? <laughs> yeah, this is insanely fun. Um, my first episode got posted online last night. And I was freaking out, like... Like nervous, like, or...? Just uh, so excited that, like, it was out in the world. Oh, sure. You know, and I had to go to bed because I had to get on an airplane to go somewhere. And <laughs> but you want to, like, message just, all your friends and you want to, like... Exactly, yeah. It was, and you wanted to stay up and see who was, like, how many counts it got and, like... <laughs> it was really bad. So, um, so I'm fairly tired, but this is fantastic. Yeah, so I'm so excited. Um, you mentioned earlier with um, mental health stuff to yeah. talk to somebody. Yeah. Is there a, a person, a type of a physician, type of doctor, anything that you recommend if people um, are having that kind of an issue? Honestly, like, the internet is your friend. There's so many okay. options now. Like, when I was diagnosed, there wasn't as many options. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, oh, well, you have to find a doctor, a psychologist in your town and or a psychiatrist, and you have to make all these really, really expensive appointments. Um, it's yeah. not like that now. There's, okay. you can go online and there's like, there's chat lines that you can text to if you don't want to talk to someone, like if you're nervous. There's um, there's t- tests you can take on like WebMD mm-hmm. that'll give you like a series of questions that are like, if you've answered yes to any of these, just talk to someone. It's yeah. not gonna be, it's not like you're going to talk to someone and they're going to, like, take away your car keys and, like, right. not let you be a person anymore. Okay. Like, um, if you're scared to do it by yourself, ask a friend. Like, talk to someone. Like, hmm. um, you know, it's really important to have, like, a support system of people who you see on a regular basis. Okay. Um, one of the first things I always do with um, people who work with me is give them a heads up. Okay. And I say, you know, if you ever notice that, um, like in paperwork, if I start writing like completely wrong dates or wrong things, or if I'm just saying something and it's not making sense, Hmm. feel free to tell me if I'm not taking it seriously, feel free to call my husband. Like, and I think giving people permission to tell you when you're not doing okay. Yeah. Cause I think people like are so scared of hurting each other's feelings or like being accusing. And it's like, if you feel like you have a problem, hmm. talking to people and giving them permission to tell you you have a problem sometimes okay. can help. So, Good. like, if your brother's your best friend, if you're, if you talk to your mom every Thursday, like, ask those people, how do you think I'm doing? Do I seem okay? Yeah. Because, like, if they know you, they should know and they can tell a difference, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, hopefully somebody listening 
get something positive out of that and yeah. it helps them. And thank you so very much for being on here. Yeah, thank I'm, you for having me. <laughs> so for the first three episodes so far, uh, I, my goal is to be about an hour. And mm-hmm. when we get like 15 to 18 minutes in, my brain goes, how in the hell are we going to get to an hour? <laughs> and then each of the times it, it happens very easily. And we're actually a touch over an hour right now, which is fantastic. Yeah. So, and then you're like, oh, yeah, we could have kept so, going. <laughs> so this is great. So thank you again so much. Yeah. And I hope you have a great time. I did. It was fun. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If so, please share it with other people. You can also subscribe, rate, and review it on the platform you downloaded it on so that it helps other people find it. You can also go to anchor, that's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M slash the I am podcast and click the support this podcast button. This allows you to make a small monthly contribution to help keep the pod going if you'd like to. Thanks for listening.